I can't never stop working hard. Each day I feel I have to improve. Hard work, determination. I've got to keep pushing myself. Hello and welcome to Hiya, the only podcast that's glad it was born with a club foot and a hammer fist. <laughs> Guard your holes and shake your poles, people. Show number five, recorded March twenty fifth, twenty twelve, starts now. Oh wow! Yeah, that's, we that's, got a, that's that's that pretty was awesome. a hell of an intro. <laughs> well, we got a great show lined up for you today. Uh, our discussion topic is going to cover secret gongs. Me, me, gong, me. Just yes. out of curiosity. Mm-hmm. Is that what I'm thinking it is? Ding um, dong, secret If you gong? mean a felt gong that you can keep in your pocket and no, sneak no, 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 in. No, 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 Okay. <laughs> no, I was thinking more along the lines of, is that like, um, um, what? How can you know Buddhist fist? I learned it by watching you in secret, old man. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what kind we're of, talking yeah, about. That's okay. sort of what we're talking about. <laughs> that's kind of dope, actually. I'm glad we finally got around to that. Yep. Uh, our interview guest is scheduled to be Ash Higgs, uh, <laughs> electron instructor and uh, uh, teacher for Falling Leaves Kung Fu. And uh, we're hoping that works out. But we're just going for broke here, folks. So if it doesn't, we'll figure out something else. <laughs> we, we've also got news and uh, both the Paging Opera and Capoeira make an appearance in the media mop up tonight. So. Uh, Let's uh before we get into our content here, um, <clears throat> we've uh, we've had some issues that you folks have been kind enough to talk to us about, and uh, the the main one was our website player apparently was crapping out for a lot of people. So we did some testing with my ancient MacBook <laughs> that no longer supports the newest versions of certain necessary files. And Flash uh, being the main one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we, we seem to have hit upon something that should work for everybody. Yes. And let me touch on that. Um, what we're using on the website, you know, you go and you hit episodes, you see your episode hit play. Um, people were having the browsers crash and freeze and they weren't able to control the playback. Um, <clears throat> unfortunately, we have no control over the inner workings of the player itself. But we do have a selection, you know, of different players to choose from. So Dave and I uh, spent the other day uh, <laughs> with me making the change and saying, okay, press refresh now. Does it work? <laughs> uh, and we went through a bunch of them. And the one that we settled on, uh, it's not as glamorous as the others. It doesn't look as great, but the functionality is great. And the reason for that is it's not reliant on Flash. For those of you who are kind of technical savvy and all that good stuff, this one is actually using the new HTML5, so it should work in all uh, browsers and players and operating systems. Please do give us feedback. Let us know if you're having difficulty now, if you've been having it in the future, or if it works great. We got the Facebook fan page up there. Yeah, that's new. Indeed. Yay! Um, Facebook.com slash Haya Martial Arts, I believe it is. Yep. And um, drop us a note. Let us know. 
We finally joined the early part of the last decade. Yeah. yeah. We we were shooting for MySpace, but it looks like we were beat out of there by a, uh, a bunch of high schoolers. I had a great uh, song and some wallpaper planned out for our MySpace page, so I'm really disappointed Excellent. that didn't happen. But we'll, <laughs> we'll live without it. Um, and, you know, when he says give us feedback, he doesn't mean screechy guitar noises. He means <laughs> what you people need to do is uh, type us out a note. You can hit us at Facebook. You can hit us at uh, mailbag at highoppodcast.com. That's uh, M-A-I-L. Yeah. <laughs> As Jeremy is always quick to point out. Yeah, it's not the douche. <laughs> yeah. um, and you can reach us through the comments section on our web page. Uh, there, there's several ways to get a hold of us. So uh, let us know you're out there and what you're thinking. And, and definitely uh, do so. Even if you've told us in person, we have a lot of – you know, we're both martial arts teachers, and we have some students, and we've said, hey, go check this out, and they've told friends, and we have family and all that. Um, and we've had people tell us in person or over the phone or whatever, whatever problems they're having. That's great, but we love if you type it out and let the, let the rest of the world in on it, too. Yeah, let the rest of the world know our mistakes so we Oh, that's beautiful. No, we really do want to hear from you folks, though. So uh, whatever way you choose to do it, get on there and give us a big hi ya hi It's the perfect opportunity to, like, say, write a review on iTunes. Oh, that or, would be nice. Oh, yeah. Or, uh, uh, you know, rate the podcast, that kind of thing. Indeed. Okay. And we know you're out there. We've got, you know, we're very new, but we got some great numbers already. We know there's a lot of people subscribing, a lot of people downloading and all that. We know you're there. We know you're listening. Talk to us. Yeah. All right. Well, we won't belabor that any longer, or most of the people listening will stop. So <laughs> This isn't a PBS telephone, yeah, for Christ's yeah. sake. That's all the guilt you're going to get for this show. The rest is just content, people. So with that in mind, we're going to crank up the old accordion and play ourselves out into the discussion topic of the day, Secret Gongs. <laughs> Okay, welcome back, folks. Uh, so, our discussion topic for today, secret gongs. What is a secret gong, Yes, Craig? please tell me. I'm Ding excited. Dong. <laughs> All right, gong. Gong is actually uh, the same character or word as in kung fu or gong fu, um, you know, the Chinese martial art type thing. But gong is uh, usually translated as work or a skill uh, that you get through hard work. That's what Kung Fu is over time. Um, and gongs are usually the same thing. It's just a very specific, extremely specific skill that usually takes a lot of practice and dedication uh, to achieve some some decent proficiency in. Yeah. Well, there's, there's a lot of gongs in any Chinese martial arts, but not all of them are secret, obviously. There's no. Jibun Gong, which is your basic exercises, uh, your horse stances and all that kind of thing. Uh, yeah. Your stance work, your, your punches, how to deliver power using the waist, you know? Um, also there's some other gongs that some, depending on the teacher might include as G For example, we use iron pole or some people call it three point striking, three star striking. 
conditioning of the forearms. Um, some people consider that to be G-Men Gong. For us, it's it's different because it's, quote-unquote, a secret gong. It's, there are levels of mastery and different exercises you advance. Yeah, and so we might want to point out that uh, on one side of the conversation here, we're talking about secret in the sense of the average dude you run into on the street wouldn't know you had that ability. Right. <laughs> Um, and in another sense, there is a sort of a, a tradition of secret gongs in a lot of martial arts where each individual practitioner is expected to find the little things mm-hmm. in the system or the little abilities that they already have a natural aptitude for and figure out their own secret ways of cultivating those. And in that case, it's secret because you never know who you might run up against and you, you don't want anybody to know that you can do X, Y, Z. Exactly. Um, because you're going to try to surprise them with it if they ever mess true. with it. True. <laughs> and it, let me say two points. One is that it's this, even though we're using Chinese terminology and everything else, and that's because the two of us are Chinese arts practitioners. But I got to say that you're going to find the same thing in other arts as well. Oh, yeah. I think this applies not only to general martial arts, but in a sense to any human endeavor. Oh, hell. How many Every- times you got to work your fingertips if you're a guitar player, right? Right. Well, that's a, that would be a G-bone going. You got to have mm-hmm. the calluses before you can fret the note. But every guitar player I've ever known likes to have sort of their secret lick or their something fancy in their pocket that people don't expect. So if they get on the ropes in something, they can they can pull out a way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, and, and another note uh, that makes it "quote unquote" secret, um, you know, I have a I have a good friend, and you know who I'm talking about, and he's probably going to be listening to this too. That was heavy into the martial arts for a good long time, um, is no longer, but he keeps up with a particular gong, and uh, so to see him, you would not think of him as a martial artist, but the guy still has his gong, and it's it's good. Yeah, <laughs> let's. Well, uh... Let's get a few examples of what we're talking about in here so we sort of clarify the situation. One of the ones that comes to mind, and this is, of course, no secret, it's it's public, but it's the kind of thing someone might do on the sly, uh, is uh, Pan Ching Fu. We, we had the pleasure of meeting him one time. Pan Ching Fu. I like to call him the punching fool because it's just a play on the pronunciation. <laughs> well, hopefully you won't run into him again. Exactly. <laughs> Sorry, Diane. But he carried around a, a metal plate in his hand and uh, would just pop that thing mm-hmm. about a thousand times a day with one hand. Knuckle gong. Iron yeah. knuckle. Yeah. And now that hand, it wasn't pretty. <laughs> no. And I'm not sure if he could pick a quarter up off a hardwood table or not. Probably. Yeah, it looks arthritic, but who knows? He may do some medicine. Too. Yeah. But uh, I wouldn't want to get hit with it either. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, you... I mean, you were there. We felt he did the little thing on your cheek, too, didn't he? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, the guy just barely brushed your cheek with his knuckles, and it, it feels like, you know, somebody taking a bowling ball and swinging it towards your cheek. It's it, Well, I wouldn't say it's that bad, but it, it felt like somebody gently dragging a framing hammer down the side of your face. <laughs> well, yeah, it's not a pleasant thing. And But, I mean, when he let one knuckle switch over to the other by going yeah. like that, yeah. Woof. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that thing worked. Um, let's, uh, you know, we've talked about iron broom, iron vest. We haven't, really. Oh, okay. But, well, we did mention iron pole. Yes. Uh, we also mentioned you, iron burka, but that was a, that was a different that was thing. Last <laughs> <laughs> so you'll find, in, specifically in Chinese martial arts, you'll find a lot of these gongs named um, with an, a, a neat little adjective. Maybe it's mystical sounding to give that whole, here's a superpower you can do. And it's not super, it's just... That you can do it, you know, more right. than the average Joe. Or more than perhaps your your classmate, because he's focused on, let's say, he wants to get really great at kicking, high kicks. So that's going to be his goal. 
He's going to practice, you know, a thousand times a day, this particular kick, that particular kick. They all have a similar theme. Um, and you'll find also the word iron, you know, in there. Uh, that's a lot of times because that means taking strikes or delivering them. So you hear iron knuckle, like punching foo. You'll hear iron palm. That's something we have in our system, Northern Shaolin, um, delivering good strikes with the palm. Yeah. And some of these gongs, like Iron Palm, grow into virtual complete systems mm-hmm. of their own. Indeed. Well, they, in their own system of training, but like you won't find huge in-depth forms and stuff. But a lot of times, too, you can tell what it the gong or the ability is about because not only will it say iron or whatever, it'll say the body part, you know, uh, usually. Right. Usually. Some of them are just a little poetic and have nothing really to do to tell you what it's about, and that's part of the secret nature. Um, and the other reason a lot of times these are secret is not so much secret, don't tell anybody, but because it's, uh, what, the pearls before swine thing. Right. You can tell people, but they have no clue what you're talking about, even an average student. It's not going to be until you've gone through this system to a certain point, you've learned all these little terminology and how to move your body, you know, sorts of way, and you're not going to be able to use that information until you get to a certain point. Yeah. I mean, other things that commonly crop up are throwing objects. Oh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> there's tons of specialized throwing objects in martial arts around the world. The Chinese systems have lots of them, everything from the darts, darts to ball bearings, mm-hmm. to you, you name it. Uh, you know, you go to you Australia, the that. Aborigines are throwing boomerangs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you come down to our neck of woods and they're throwing ex-wives out the window, but that's a different story. <laughs> um, well, let's, let's get down to brass tacks here. Uh, All right. Uh, Talking about secret gongs, I know everybody in the room's got one. So even Magnificent Jay has one. So he is magnificent for other reasons. If you if you'll show me one of yours, I'll show you one of mine, <laughs> <laughs> or tell me about it. Yeah, yeah. Something you practice obsessively, maybe through some unorthodox method that actually contributes to your martial arts. Actually, showing you one of one of mine that kind of is my secret thing. Oh, <laughs> it, it's distracting enough anyway. Well, before we, we get into the details of, of individuals, um, you know, gongs and stuff like that, because <clears throat> depending upon how your style treats gongs and, and different trainings, for example, uh, you know, all that can change. For example, with my students, we have, um, we basically have 24 gongs that are available to all the students. Nobody ever learns them them all, but they are exposed to them all. They're saying, you know, I'll teach somebody how to do iron pole for example, and we do that pretty consistently. I teach them how I introduce them, how to do iron broom. I t- introduce them into qinggong, which means lightness. No, it does not mean jumping over trees and running across water. What you mean you can't fly? <laughs> well, it depends. <laughs> you know, when my wife's chasing me, yeah. When your wife throws you out the window. <laughs> <laughs> Spousal but, uh, abuse runs both ways here exactly. in lovely Georgia. <laughs> but, um, you know... But at the same time, I say, okay, now you've been exposed to all these, pick one, you know? Mm-hmm. And the the interesting thing, though, is we have this list of gongs you can pick from. That's not all you have to do. You can also just say, no, I like these eagle claw techniques. I like the idea of grabbing because I like to to grapple with people, you know? And I'd like to be able to cause a little bit more pain with my fingers, you know, perhaps diving into the tendons. All right, well, we've got something for that, yeah. you know? Mix and match a little bit of the gong uh, methodology that apply to these different things, and and there you go. 
That also brings up real quickly a point mm-hmm. that we might want to touch on, which is apparatus training. So, for oh, instance, yeah. you're developing, you know, grip strength, let's say, with just the fingers and not the thumb. Mm-hmm. So you can use uh, throwing bags. You can use iron grippers. You can mm-hmm. use uh, holding bricks while you practice. You can use those uh, those metal cones. Have you ever seen those? Oh, yes. They're perfectly milled, like heavy metal cones. These. You have to yeah. pinch grip them, basically, and lift them. Those things are bears. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's actually um I to be honest, two weeks ago I introduced uh, all my students to uh finger gongs mainly for gripping and for, for grabbing and for doing exactly what I was talking about. And um like for example, the beginning, you're simply holding your arms out. And you may remember this because Pittman does something similar in, in some of his exercises where you simply are opening and closing the hand to its to its extreme while your arms are outstretched and out to your sides with your elbows bent. Consistently doing that, and you do it, you know, a hundred times your arms get tired, and then you end up doing different configurations of yeah. opening and closing mm-hmm. and, and, and things of that nature. And then the cool things. Um, well, that's that's one of those goings that's hidden in plain sight, though, because every yes. form you learn will show you those little details mm-hmm. that you need to work over and over again on the air or whatever, you know, uh, and a lot of students early on really miss that part. They're oh, yes. trying to do gross body movements and get themselves in position, but they don't realize that every time you're pretending to grab that, you, you need should, to be doing some. You oomph. should do it with a tent intent because that will eventually, even if you don't actually grab anything, if you do it often enough while you're, <laughs> you're practicing have your something. forms, you you will get something that way. Yeah, and it's the isometric. Other, exactly, and the other aspect of hidden in plain sight. Uh, this is something that uh, Big Alan Carroll was talking about when we interviewed him. Is he was talking about, you know, standing in line uh, with your groceries and able to practice Santi, basically, or their Shingi fighting stance without anybody realizing it because it looks like a natural standing position while right. you're waiting in line. Same thing can be said of a lot of gongs. Um, you know, just opening and closing your hand is is very easy. Practicing like you're going to flick a certain finger and just getting that finger strength down, nobody's ever going to see that. You can do that in the office. You can do that, you know. Yeah. Talking to anybody, nobody's ever going to realize what you're doing. Also pressing upon each finger. Um, so that's one that I actually used to practice and was pretty good at. Uh, finger gong. Um, yeah, my little crane beak strikes, I'd actually never really used in a fight. But they're pretty, they're strong, you know. Right. Um, my fingers can take a lot more damage of direct uh, pressure um, than they would be able to without the training. But... Uh, yeah, there's there's a lot out there. How about you start it off about okay. what I've got? Okay, I'll go ahead and throw one out here yeah. because uh, this is this is my public secret gong anyway because I use it to explain the concept to students mm. so I can illustrate it on them. Um, you know, uh, and a lot of systems and and Bhagwan Shingi are part of that crowd. They say, well, every step is a kick. Uh-huh. And a lot of people say, oh, okay, and but they don't bother to train how that actually works. So I've got a little thing I do. And mm-hmm. you need an assistant. In my case, his name is Angus. <laughs> uh, that's dog. my dog. <laughs> so what we do is I go out on the back porch to hang out all the time. And Angus goes out there with me. And I have a hard red rubber ball. And I connect with that thing. You with- sure it's not a chicken? Yeah. Well, no, the chicken <laughs> was when he was a baby. Yeah. Uh, and I kick that thing repeatedly, focusing on not looking at it when I kick it. Sending it hard and straight to whatever I'm aiming at, like the fence 30 Kinda feet away. Kind of like your intent with away. your body. Right. Type. Yeah. And completely non-telegraphically hitting that thing. And uh, I do that probably a thousand times a week. Wow. Nice. That is a gong. 
Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, again, this is one that needs an assistant, but the dog loves it. I love mm-hmm. it. Nobody knows I'm practicing Kung Fu when I do it. They think I'm entertaining my dog. But <laughs> as one of my students found out today or was reminded, <laughs> that gives you the power or the ability after doing it long enough you can throw a punch with your upper hand and the bottom foot just as a natural part of your stepping motion can deliver really, really mm-hmm. hard on target kicks to the lower legs and ankles without <laughs> ever telling you're hiding it under your punch. Mm-hmm. So they see the fist coming. They're not looking at your foot and they just well, think that you're stepping. Proper and, body. Yeah. Too. You got to learn how to not ta- telegraph, which is easy, easier said than done. I, I see it all the time with my yeah. students. They, they understand the concept, but doing it. And that's the other trick of gongs, unfortunately, with gongs, just like Kung Fu, is in the numbers and consistency. You have yeah. to do it a lot and frequently. Um, but I think one of the cool things for me, I was talking about this with a student today, with gong-specific training, it's one of those things that's different from uh, lifting weights. As you know, if you go and lift weights pretty hardcore, let's say, for a month, you get kind of built or whatever, you know, whatever period of time, and then you wean off or three months, you're back to being flabby or whatever. But with gongs, I've noticed the more time you invest in it, the more time it takes to seep out. I have noticed that. And it doesn't really make sense, but I have noticed that it seems to stay longer inside your bones, so to speak, uh, than, than it's, lighter, it's habituated. It's like anything else that you genuinely habituate yourself to. Like even if you practice your martial arts every day, Um, there's usually enough content in any system that if you're, especially if you're a teacher and somebody that's responsible for keeping up with the whole system, then you're not practicing all of it every day. And you may not even practice all of it every week. You know, you're, you're having to pick and choose and and most of the time it is gongs when you get to a certain level, but yeah, but you, you know, the stuff that you know is going to support your knowledge and your ability to use it, that stuff, you can get a hundred of them in a day because they're usually just little repetitive motions or, you know, or maybe it's, there's all sorts of gongs. You could be, you know, your thing could be balancing on your neck and your heels and and bridging, you know, right, right. That's a classic one. You see it in all the, some of the old Chinese books, two chairs and the guy's bridging it. And that's not necessarily just a martial arts oriented thing, but it sure builds core strength. True indeed. So you could do that for five minutes a day and bang, you've always got that. You know? mm-hmm. So every form you would do would be supported by that internally developed. Um, well, I just use the I word. <laughs> 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 that non-obvious, non, you know, muscular. Uh, well, heck, you use muscles. Okay, I'm digging myself a hole. Rule <laughs> yeah. number one is stop digging. <laughs> Internal stop. works fine, Dave. Yeah, You're I, a I think guy. you see Come what on. I'm trying to say here. Yeah, that works great. Um, I would have to say one of mine, uh, I actually, for me, I have three, and I'll tell you about one. One is, is kind of uh, very generic, um, but in short, and uh, I, I don't think I've ever mentioned this to you before, Dave, but I think you've seen it, is is basically speed. Um, speed and short power. Um, mm-hmm. Of quick, go, do something, change it up, and and, and um, shoot forth power. In other words, basically, if you get in the clinch, like a lot of people here will understand, when you, you, know, you get wrapped up with somebody, being able to, uh, for example, push with my upper body, really hard and really get into the clinch and then to quickly drop my root into my feet and deliver a strike with what we call stars or a joint um, faster than you would really kind of think possible. And it, it, 
it happens really fast and it looks really fast. But the trick is it's not really fast at all. It's just about economy, emotion, and the anatomy. Yeah. On, on the human scale, speed has a lot more to do with perception than it does. Yes, indeed. The absolute notions of such a thing. Exactly. <laughs> you know, but at the same time, I got to say, I wondered why my kidneys hurt the last time we chest bumped. <laughs> <laughs> now I know. That's me just being loving. <laughs> <laughs> That's my special love. That's right. <laughs> so so um, I used to do things, I'll tell you real quick, uh, ways to develop speed and, and little weird things from being a kid and everything else. Um, my teacher was extremely quick with certain very specific things, um, and he would always use those same movements to, to either show off and say, hey, check it out. You can do this too. Um, but I would use everything from tying literally notebook paper uh, to a piece of string and hanging it from my ceiling fan. Um, and using that to literally, to punch quick, let's say your typical back fist type thing, but being able then to take a second punch to it before it got to the height of its arc. When, after you hit that paper ball, it goes swinging. You're not waiting for it to come back at you again before you throw that second strike, but you know, hitting it, hitting it, hitting it, hitting it quick, um, and being light and all that kind of stuff. And there's a lot of different, uh, uh, ways to develop gongs and methods, and that's something we can go into detail later about. Oh, yeah, this is, uh, again, every topic we've touched on so far is a well that we can probably keep going back to and get into yeah. more detail with. But, you know, we're keeping it general, so I think we've hit a lot of the, the basics here. Um, yeah, and, uh, you know, listeners, if you guys have any gongs that you're working on or any other ideas, definitely pitch in. Uh, hit us up on the website and let us know what you've trained in. Um, and maybe one of your teachers or, or other people. Give us your opinion on gongs. Yeah, everybody else has showed you one of ours. <laughs> now it's time to show, show us, us one of yours. yours. <laughs> or just tell us about yeah. it, really. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the only other thing that we probably might want to touch on here is pitfalls. Indeed. Before we move on. <clears throat> you do have to watch out when you're training anything that intensively for overtraining. uh <laughs> You know, injury, if it's something that's too extreme, over-reliance, too. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, a, a gong is like a, a trick, but it's not the be-all, <laughs> end-all. Yeah, just because you've got super, if you are punching foo and you've got super hard knuckles, uh, that's not going to make your punch land home, <laughs> you know? Right. It is not, any of these gongs, none of them are direct fighting abilities, okay? They're they're extra things to enhance your fighting, your your life, your whatever. Right. So um, you need to make sure and put plenty of work into your delivery system, not just into your bullet. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, listen to your teacher. If they give you a specific training formula for gongs, uh, definitely listen to them. Don't go uh, over that. You know, If you go under, that's just because you're lazy, whatever. But don't go over it because you can hurt yourself with some of the stuff. Yeah. All right. Well, I think you know what we'll do is we'll wrap the uh, discussion topic up there for the moment, but that still leaves plenty of loose ends. So, people, if you have any opinions or stories you'd like to tell us about gongs, mailbag at highyappodcast.com. Give us a shout. Or hit up Booyah, hi-ya, baby. And uh, we'll be back very soon with our interview.
Okay, we're back, folks, and uh, here with us is Ash Higgs. Uh, he's a practitioner and instructor of Elik Tuan and uh, is a teacher at Falling Leaves Kung Fu in Tempe, Arizona. Um, Ash, why don't you give us a more detailed background than that? <laughs> uh, okay, well, like you said, I, uh, I'm a student of uh, Yuli Chen. Uh, my my sifu is, uh, is uh, Sam F.S. Chen. He's the uh, the current uh, what they call the gatekeeper and the, uh, the lineage holder for the for the art. So he uh, he learned from his father, and then further developed the art here in the United States. And so um, last last summer, uh, his father named him the uh, basically the inheritor of the art. Nice. And so I train under him. I've trained under him for uh, about ten years now. Actually, this year is my my 10th anniversary and then I've been teaching for a couple of years now. And, um, yeah, so I've done, uh, <clears throat> uh, also I'm a, uh, a disciple of his. So, you know, that means basically that I've done the, uh, the whole tea ceremony and all that kind of thing. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> I'm sorry. By C. Oh yes, 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 yes. And, uh, so now I'm, uh, Getting to the point where, uh, and uh, what next weekend I'm going to be in Oakland doing some workshops. So I'm uh, picking up some of the uh, extra uh, teaching uh, duties. Sometimes you know, so Sifu makes his living uh, just teaching Yuli Chen. So he travels around the world. He, he's done um, last year. He did about like 30 workshops. So almost. Uh, Two out of three weekends a year, he's already traveling all over. So some places that if uh, you know they they want a little more instruction than just uh, you know the twice a year, one time a year, sometimes that he can only make it. So some of the other instructors now are getting to the point where we can kind of step up to the plate and take some slack. And uh, so yeah, so that's kind of where I'm going right now. And uh, then, like I said, I, I've done some uh, some competitive um, sanda. Uh, I fought both at the um, the, uh, the 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 Boshu tournament in Baltimore, and I fought at um, uh, when it was still uh, Tai Chi Legacy. Now it's with Legends of Kung Fu down there in Plano, Texas, a couple times. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, other than that, I just kind of have a small group of uh, semi-private students here in uh, in Tempe. You just keep training, try to get better. That's, uh, cool. Yes, I guess that's really about all there is to tell. Nice. Well, actually, there's a lot of stuff in there we want to dig deeper into. Uh, but I, I think the first question that, that I have for you, um, and it's directly related to something you said during your introduction, I'm I'm a little confused um, about Elik Chuan, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Yeah, let me, let me ask you real quick. The, the characters or the name, actually, of the system, is that uh, – E as in intention and Lee as in strength, or is that something completely different? What what does the name of the style mean? I'm I'm kind of brand new to this system, so. Yeah, it's um, it it, it is uh, it is it's E D Chen, so it's uh, it, it is the the character that usually gets translated as intent, but um, you know, it's kind of. You know, Chinese, I guess, is a lot like English in the sense that... <laughs> Many different you know, depending, meanings. Yeah, depending on the context of how you want to use a word, it can mean, you know, kind of some slightly different things. So, 
for Chen, we use it in the sense that um, it can just mean like um, a, uh, like mental or, uh, you know, specifically, really kind of more along the lines of awareness. Right. Well, the, and then... Okay, uh, go ahead. Uh, Lee, you know, usually is, uh, it's translated as uh, strength, but and for the sense of E.B. Chen, we use it more in the sense of physical. So E.B. together is mental and physical. So uh, the whole thing, basically, um, we translate it or kind of transliterate as um, the martial art of awareness. Okay. So integrating, inter- integrating um, strength with the mind and the intent. Um, not, not so much just strength, but just physical, the body, the body. So it's, um, you know, because we say that, um, like we don't train any fixed techniques. So, uh, you know, for striking, say we don't train in the sense of we're going to train jab, cross, hook, uppercut combos. We don't train in the sense of, uh, that we're going to learn Ippon Seonagi or Sotogare. We don't train in the sense that we're going to learn um, single whip or uh, I'm trying to think of a golden rooster stands on one leg. I'm trying to kind of put some other ones out of, out of Tai Chi. Um, so in the sense of, uh, of specific techniques, um, basically well, we want to learn how to mm, pay attention to ourselves. And there's kind of like certain rules on the body um, that if you can follow the principles and and maintain those principles moment to moment, like whatever move you'll do, we say, will automatically be correct as long as it it, it fits to the principles. Right. Well, that's that's interesting. You guys do have forms, though, or am I wrong about that? We do have what now? Forms, forms like sets. I've seen uh, some we, stuff on YouTube, etc. You know, people see they seem to be doing a similar looking set or a demonstration kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we do have two forms. Uh, one is called the 21 form, and then the other one is called the butterfly form. Uh, and we do have, um, you know, I mean, each move within the, the form uh, has basically not just one, but, I mean, it could be one of several uh, different variations on the, of like specific applications. Like, oh, when you do this move, basically it would be as if you're doing um, this kind of move on an opponent. But it's only, um, you know, our, our, our system, my Sifu put together a specific curriculum. And the curriculum is comprised of uh, 11 uh, student levels total. And uh, the the 21 form is for student level three, and the butterfly form is for student level four. Now, that's not to say that once you would get those uh, student levels that you would never work with that material again, but it just kind of gives you an idea of, like, how they fit into the system. They're not the foundation of the system. They're just used as a tool, so basically so that an instructor and a student can have a common... Uh, frame of reference that you can say, okay, when we do uh, uh, dragon shoulder, mm-hmm. that within that move, 
this is how this principle works, this is how this principle works, this is this. So it's kind of like, um, you know, in a sense, just to give like a frame of reference for an instructor and a student to be able to discuss uh, the principles in a, in a in a more limited context. Right. It's a teaching tool rather than a series of, of specific tactics. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Okay. I think I understand it now. Um, another question about the system, has this basically been a closed door family system up until this generation or, or has this been publicly taught for, for a long time? Oh yeah. It's well, um, you know, ED10 is, uh, is a the Chin family art, but basically it was, um, uh, Sigil, uh, the founder, which is my, my Sigong. Mm-hmm. He uh, he studied a few different arts, um, and the, the I don't want to say the main one, but sort of the core art that Yi Chen comes out of is an art called Feng Yang Lu Yi, um, and or which is basically it was a like a Shini Bakwa style, and uh, but he also had like some Phoenix Eye and some um, uh, Li uh, Li Ga, like a Li style Shaolin. Okay, and um, he's very, very well known in um, in Malaysia, basically as a like as a martial arts genius, if if you want to put it that way. And so, um, you know, he learns from these different, uh, you know, sifu in Malaysia, and then over the course of, mm, I guess, mastering these arts, you could say he kind of saw. Like where the overlap was, and said, "Okay, these things are fundamental to martial arts." Mm-hmm. And and uh, that that overlap, that's fundamental, uh, basically became what today is being taught as Ivy China. Uh, so, so like it's my, a distillation of a lot of traditional systems, but carries the personal stamp. Yeah, it's like the uh, the essence. Yeah, very, um, very interesting. Yeah, so uh, that's basically where uh, the, the 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 roots of Ili Chan come from in Malaysia, and then uh, I hate to interrupt. People... Do you mind? Let me ask. I'm just out of curiosity. I l- used to live in Singapore, so I'm just curious what part of Malaysia this was from. Do you uh, know? Kuala Lumpur. What part of Malaysia it's from? Kuala Lumpur. Oh, KL. Okay, sweet. Sorry, you broke up a little there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no worries. Um, so yeah, um, and then my, you know, my Sifu, he uh, he came to this country, and um, a friend of his from Malaysia had joined the Senga, and was the, I believe, he was the the chief abbot at Tongya Monastery in um, in in Kent, New York. Uh, and so he had invited, uh, my Sifu to come, to come work for the temple as a, like as a lay, uh, employee. So basically while he was there, he did a lot of different things. He helped, uh, you know, build, uh, the steps that lead up into the temple. He helped work on the, uh, the great Buddha statue that's in the great Buddha hall. He was a, like a, like a gardener, a chauffeur. You know, kind of like an all-around, um, almost like a handyman type for the temple. Right. And uh, you know, of course, during his time there, he uh, 
he was exposed to you know further levels of uh, of meditation and uh, of Buddhist philosophy, and um, he made friends with uh, a, a guy named Chen Rei Tong, and between their discussions, mm, he decided to start teaching the art publicly at that time. Now, was he a, a and, Chuan or Zen Zen Buddhist going in to this? <clears throat> how how uh, was he connected? And I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just uh, trying to drill down a little bit to how he got the invitation in the first place. You know, was this something that influences the art? Yes, it's the uh, it's like the uh, the spotlight that guides our training. It's uh, Zen philosophy is Zen, Zen philosophy and Taiji principles are are the um, like the umbrella over the whole system. Um, you know, because during my uh, Sifu's time at the temple, like during that, he, he worked there basically for about 10 years. And uh, during his time there at the temple, he he saw that what in martial arts they usually talk about as listening power was uh, like a small slice of what and in Zen, they talk about as being mindfulness and awareness. So he um, started to see the connection between the two, and so that that mm, that allowed his skill level to to grow. And so when he put together basically modern Yi Chen, because the way that he learned Yi Chen from his father was still very much like in the traditional way, right. Um, but here in the United States, he kind of saw that, well, it's, it's like two things. It's like one, he saw that Americans, most Americans were not going to be able to learn in the traditional way. Yeah. They don't have the patience. <laughs> yeah. And, and also that, um, you could teach more effectively, uh, if, uh, you know, things were broken down and organized and everything. And so using kind of uh, that, like, Buddhist philosophy or Zen philosophy of, uh, you know, because I don't know if, depending on how familiar you are with Buddhism, like, everything is broken down, like, very clearly. You know, it's like eight noble paths, four noble truths, 12 independent factors of origination. There's uh, yeah. four foundations of mindfulness. Everything is very, like, categorized. So using that as a model that he started to organize the art kind of in the same way that, so now... Um, we have like in our what we call like in our system guide, you know, it's like we have ten ten. In the ten ten, we have six physical principles, three mental factors, one specialist field. There's thirteen points, five qualities of movement, four strategies, four qualities on the point of contact. So it's just a way of like taking this physical thing and uh, sort of breaking things down. Like okay, this is this is this, but it also relates to this, that, and the other thing. So where, like, in a lot of uh, traditional systems, things are just kind of more, a lot of times, like, catch as catch can. Yeah. Where, uh, you know, we kind of, these in the, you know, we have, a, like, a foundation of things that we can work off of. And um, so it also helped, again, it helped my Sifu grow in his skill level because then um, every time a student would ask a question that he didn't have a ready answer for, it forced him to go back in and look at okay, how am I gonna, how am I gonna define this quality, and how is it gonna fit into the system that that can be taught, explained. Um, 
so yeah, but <clears throat> so that's kind of the the evolution of from Feng Yang Luyi to the old Ili Chen, which is like more traditional, taught in a more traditional style to basically like what we would call like modern Ili Chen after it evolved here in the United States and then over the last 20 years now since uh, my sifu has been teaching, you know, here in the United States and also uh, around the world. Okay. Well, that, that actually clarify, clarifies it a lot for me. I appreciate that. And, and clarify you know, even, it Clarify. <laughs> <laughs> Recording ran late, so I've had at least two more beers than usual. Um, <laughs> so bear with me. Yeah, it's, but, uh, it's barely... I was gonna say this is barely happy hour here. I know it's <laughs> the evening's getting late around here, um, and I, I, that system also probably makes a really nice memory palace for the, if you, if you will, for the for the new student coming in. It's all kind of laid out nice, and you know they they have something to to hang it on rather than just trying to absorb it willy nilly, which happens a lot in and more you know traditional Chinese styles. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a really clear path for progression. So, I mean, I you know, sometimes I kind of put some people off. You know, some people, they like to, they enjoy, you know, a less structured format. Right, like, directed like, study least, rather than do this, 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 and this. Yeah, I mean, for me, personally, I don't see how, uh, you know, some of the stuff that what my sifu was trying to teach or how it could be taught, um, you know, any other way really but, without the uh, foundation being built in in the first place yeah Through, yeah yeah well another but, uh, another thing you mentioned is that uh you got people all over the world now when i was looking into this i was surprised at uh at how broad your network is uh, uh tell us about some of the places uh where this uh, where this is catching on um i think currently there's 15 different countries of where Iwi Chen has an established presence. Um, uh, probably half of them are in Eastern Europe. Uh, Iwi Chen is really popular in, uh, in Russia. Uh, it's growing in Poland. Uh, there's a school coming up now in Bulgaria, Belarus, Latvia. Uh, there's uh, Austria, uh, the U.K., um, and then, of course, there's still Ili Chen in Malaysia, here in the United States, in Australia. Um, so I can't remember who else I'm forgetting off the top of my head. But, yeah, I mean, probably about six or seven Eastern European countries, uh, a couple of Western European countries, and then some, like I say, in Australia and the United States. <clears throat> have, you, have you gotten to travel around uh, to any of those places in your teaching capacity yet? Uh, yeah, actually, just this uh, February, so uh, just uh, last month, I uh, I went both to uh, to Oslo, so Norway, and then also to the UK. And uh, this workshop in, the, in in Oslo that was our that was our first workshop there. Oh, great! How'd it go over? So, yeah. Oh, it went really well. You know what? Those guys over there, uh, you know, they had a good foundation, but they also had. Uh, you know, they have a really great attitude in the sense that they're willing to, uh, you know, empty their cup to learn something new. It's all the and, black metal. Uh, I'm sorry? <laughs> it's it's all the black metal. He said it's all the black metal. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? It's it so funny how that, how that's really popular there because those guys were all so, everyone over there was, was friendly. They were all quick with a laugh and a smile. 
so I don't know where the death metal comes from. But. <laughs> There's some sort of law of inverses with media. You know, if uh, you know, Pakistan is very uptight, uh, but they also have the highest number of uh, you know porn hits uh, per capita. <laughs> so you, you can't always go by what the public face of, a, of a, or the media face of a country is for what they're actually like. True, <laughs> indeed. Um, but yeah, those guys were all great over there, and uh, the the workshop went you know well for for a first workshop. And uh, in fact, while the the two like what we call the study group leaders, like if you're not uh, you know if you're not uh, instructor level yet, because actually Ely Chen has a, a dual ranking system. So we have a student level uh, track, and then we have an instructor level track. So if you're not, if you haven't been ranked up to what we call an instructor level yet, then uh, you're a, a study group leader. Now, do, do so, those rankings operate concurrently, or do you progress through one and then start the other? Um, it's it's slightly staggered. Okay. So, um, in order to get your first instructor level you have to successfully pass first your student level one through three. So basically that means like at that point you have uh, like the foundation of like you understand the philosophy concepts and principles well enough. You understand the basic exercises well enough. And because basically like let's say uh, for student level one, right? Student level one is for our Cuban Gong uh, we have 15 basic exercises. So the uh, student level one is for your uh, basic exercises one through 10. When you get your student level one, it doesn't mean that you've mastered that material. What it means is that you understand those exercises well enough at that point that you could continue to train them on your own and still make progress. Yeah, you're showing basic competency, right? Um, yeah, it's a basic competency, but <clears throat> the competency is as much on understanding as it is on physical ability. Okay. Because what, what it is is that, like, going back to, like, the Zen, right, we say that, uh, you know, there's, in a sense, there's nothing to train. The whole thing is about just to recognize and realize. So in order to recognize, you need to know what things to look into, like what things to train. So, and then within each exercise, you have certain things that you need to recognize uh, that makes it basic exercise as opposed to just motion. And when you, when you catch the key point of that exercise, then you know what to look into to be able to recognize more and more. And so then we say, okay, you, you have 1 through 10, you know what to look into. Okay. And and uh so when you get up to your student level three, which includes so that's basic exercises one through ten, basic exercises uh uh eleven through fifteen and the twenty one form. Then you want to get your instructor level one, then you have to show an even further, like more refined understanding of that material of like one through three, and then you can qualify for your instructor level one. And that means basically that at that point, you're going to be able to teach somebody like the basic, 
the basic uh, fundamental aspects of the philosophy, the concepts, the principles, and the exercises, and that you won't be leading them astray. Uh, and then, and from then from there, then the instructor levels they they keep staggering. So like, you get your student level four, you could get your instructor level two after that. Then then it starts getting really hard. Then you get your student level. You need to get student level five and six, which are are, are uh, spinning hands training. So five is what we call this the spinning hands. Six is the spinning hands with stepping, with kicking, with range infection. And um, and then after you mat, uh, like get uh, competency with both of those, then you can pursue your instructor level three. Uh, so and then it just keeps staggering out from there until you've made it all the way up through uh, like China and Sanda training. Right. Well, that's a good segue. Uh, you've done some Sanda competition. How uh, how does the the formless training of uh, Elitron, uh how did that serve you in your in your signed off fights, and uh, uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, uh, I mean, did you it, have to go back in and plug in specific techniques that you knew would you you would have to use because of the sporting format and practice those, or was was your uh, was your training in, in this art sufficient to to get you through those fights? Um, well, I my record at the moment is I haven't had a lot of fights, but it's three and one. So uh, we can let that speak for itself. Um, in terms, I mean, it's kind of a mixed bag. I mean, sport fighting is sport fighting. <laughs> uh, so, on the, you know, one thing that is really good about the sport fighting competition is that you want to see, you know, you get some feedback of what you can do against an absolutely uncooperative opponent. Yeah, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Um and and so you know because when you step up on the lay tie, that guy wants to win too. Absolutely, and, but and, he's not willing and, to kill you to do it, and vice versa. So that it's a great environment to to yeah, test and, it as far yeah. as it goes. You know. Well, and the other thing is too is that it's like you know, ninety nine percent of it is still the same because it's all it's still like human movement. Yeah, but. Uh, you know, at the same time, there is that 1% that, that separates between sport fighting and, and not sport fighting. Um, and we can get more into that like later, but if you want, but basically as far as my experiences with sport fighting was, um, I, uh, I didn't have to go back necessarily and retrofit any, um, specific techniques into my training um, because actually like, you know, uh, our, our spin hands training, our sticky hand training in itself is pretty, um, I mean, it, it's uh, kind of free in a way. And so it, it lends itself really well. You know, I mean, it's not only my experience, but if you look at uh, um, Dasha, who's one of the instructors from Russia, she's uh, like the second, uh, she's not the chief instructor, but she's like the number two instructor at the at the school in, in Moscow. Um, she's had a few more fights than me, and she's done really, really well. She has a, a woman's uh, world title under her belt under under Thai boxing. Nice. Uh, under yeah, under Thai boxing rules, and she's also the uh, Moscow City Thai boxing champion 
so she's had like a good few fights under Thai boxing rules, but she never trained Thai boxing. She only trained Yui Chen. Okay, that was going to uh, be my question. She didn't train Thai boxing, but uses your system in that rule set. Yeah, she only trained Yui Chen. So, uh, I mean, basically you can say is that we just train how we train. And then when we when we show up to compete, we're only there to see how well we can adapt to that environment. But we don't train specifically necessarily for that environment. Gotcha. Uh, it seems like you uh, do a lot of your seminars through Taiji schools. And again, correct me if I'm wrong about any of this, but do you see this as something that pairs well with uh, different Taiji styles? Uh, it can be, you know, done in conjunction with, or is it a gateway drug? Uh, <laughs> what, what's going on there? <laughs> uh, well, I would say that that's not quite accurate to okay. say that we teach through. Uh, I would say that if anything, um, you know, there's probably just as many Aikido schools hmm. that, uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, my, uh, I, I only trained ever just Ely Chen, so I've trained as a distance student through there. But, um, you know, um, yeah, I mean, we had, uh, I mean, we've had everyone from, you know, uh, Bernie Langan, that name might sound familiar to you. He's, um, he's a fairly well-known guru in, um, in C-Lot. Oh, and, okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. And so, you know, he's done C-Lot for a number of years. And, uh, so he, he's, uh, he's also, our instructor for um, the, the 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 Oakland group. Okay. Um, one of his uh, training brothers, I believe, Sean Mataki is his name. He's down in L.A., uh, so he also has done Tila and some some Bagua. And because uh, uh, Bernie, I believe, he also trains. Uh, uh, I think with Lu Lu uh his Bagua. Okay. And. Um, or, uh, let me see, I'm trying to think, you know, we've had, uh, you know, uh, judo and, you know, of course, a fair share of Tai Chi. Um, you know, it's, it's a, a mixed bag. Uh, a lot of times because, mm, like, uh, guys who have been training martial arts for a long time, um, they see, like, the value of, of what my Sifu is trying to teach with Yubi Chen. Yeah. So there's actually, you know, there's actually um, uh, quite a few uh, different uh, backgrounds of martial arts that uh, approach him to come teach workshops at their school. But then we also now, more and more as we grow, um, we've got more and more uh, dedicated schools that only teach Yubi Chen. So, so for instance, um, you know, Falling Leaves Kung Fu is not, you know, the only thing that we do at Falling Leaves Kung Fu is um, is just Ely Chen. So basically, you know, that's just like the name of our of our club. You know, the same in uh, in Russia. You know, in Moscow, they only do Ely Chen. But there are schools like um, in in Oakland where they also train some Sila, they train some Bakla, they train, and they also train Ely Chen as well. Yeah, it sounds like you guys got the best of both worlds because you've got a standalone system, but you also aren't. You know, if you want to go train people from different styles. They don't have that barrier of, uh, you're not walking in trying to teach them a boatload of forms that don't match theirs. Right. Yeah. It's more concept principle training that, that can be applied broadly. Yeah. And I think probably 
that's why, um, you know, so many other martial artists, uh, experienced martial artists, why they, they do get interested in it because it's uh, concepts and principles driven. So they don't, you know, if, if they choose not to, they don't have to give up what it was that they were doing. You know, they can just say, oh, okay, this is, uh, you know, this concept, this concept, this principle and how it fits and how it applies. And yeah. so, yeah. Um, but at the same time, you know, uh, Trend has its own, uh, like you said, we have our own track, you know, we have our, own, our student levels and we have our own um, vocabulary. So, I mean, sometimes it can cause a little bit of confusion too, where, you know, like sometimes we use the same, a lot of the same words, um, but they don't always necessarily mean the same thing. So like sometimes you kind of have to listen, <laughs> listen carefully. That's a that's a classical martial arts pitfall. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> hey Ash, let me ask you this. I was curious. We uh, just a few minutes ago, before we got you on the line, we were talking about uh, what we call secret gongs. Um, you know, and I heard you mention earlier uh, jiben gong. You know, almost all Chinese martial arts are going to have some type of jiben gong, a basic foundational training. I was curious. After that, you know, various systems have different specialized skills. Uh, that they'll, you know, expose the student to. Um, is that the same way in Electron, uh that you guys perhaps have also specialized uh, gongs, if you would, that uh, people have an opportunity to learn and train in? Or is is Electron in itself uh, kind of a gong because the way it's set up? Um, well, I mean, it depends on how you look at it. Um, the answer... I would say leans more towards yes, but it's, it's, you have to understand like how, um, so for instance, like one thing that I'm thinking of is, um, would be more on a sort of like an iron shirt or an iron body skill, Uh, like learning, uh, learning how to be able to take, um, take hits. And there's a skill of learning how to, uh, like wrap multiple layers within the body. So, for instance, you know, when it's 80 degrees out, you can get away with just wearing a T-shirt or maybe even no shirt. Mm-hmm. When it gets down to 70 degrees, you might want a T-shirt and a jacket. When it gets down to 50 degrees, you want a T-shirt, a sweater, and a jacket. You know, you, you want more layers. Right. So you learn how to uh, wrap multiple, multiple layers within the body from the skin to the fascia, the muscles, uh, and different layers and all the way down to protect mostly is on to protect the organs. Okay. And, um, but this skill, while it's, um, sort of a, it's a specialized type of training, I guess you could say, but it's all still based on everything that you're going to learn in the 15 basic exercises. Okay. That makes sense. Nice. Yeah. So it's a, it's like, it's, it's an evolution of those drills as opposed to say something completely new. Okay. That makes sense. And, um, or, Oh, go ahead. Oh no, finish your thought. Oh, I was just going to say like another, uh, example might be, um, uh, what they call like a Taibong, which is the, uh, like uh, as part of uh, like stance training, 
and is of, you know, uh, like lifting the anus, basically. Right. Tuck that grain bath. Yeah. I think you just hit our, you know, our our jackpot here. All right. You said lifting the anus. We haven't talked about the anus one time this episode. We got to segue into some poop jokes, finally. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, no. So, I mean, it's, you know, you can look at that as something as it's a, as if it's its own kind of training, but actually it's all still covered under uh, the, the, our basic exercises and, and uh, the philosophy concepts and principles when we talk about how, like how we break the body down into what's yin, what's yang, what quality yin should have, what quality yang should have. Um, so yeah, so I mean, it's like, it's like, it's a kind of a specialized refinement, but it's actually, it's still nothing new. Right. No, no that, that makes perfect sense. Uh, especially within the context of what we were talking about earlier in the discussion topic. So you've just inadvertently added to that as well. (laughs) (laughs) Well, but before, and I I know you're, you're on a phone that uh, may have battery issues soon. And we we're running close to an hour now before anything else happens. I don't want you to get cut off suddenly uh, without us pressing you for your uh, off color or ridiculous martial arts anecdotes. Which we will be doing. Which we will be doing. As a matter of fact, we're doing it right now. Hey, uh, <laughs> welcome to the party. <laughs> so uh, any kind of drunken pratfalls or embarrassing situations or just hilariously funny stuff will do. Uh, oh, you know you've got them. Come on. We all do. We all do, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Uh, Feel free to no, change was, names to protect the uh, the guilty if you have to. Yeah, no, I, you know, I was thinking about this when you asked me uh, in the, you sent me the show notes. Uh, I guess that must be pretty boring. Uh, I mean, I guess I have, it was one that's kind of funny, um, was, uh, basically I just, I learned one lesson about training martial arts and that is always blow your nose before, uh, <laughs> blow your nose, blow your nose before you're going to practice any fudging. It's going to, it'll bring it up, but, uh, explosive yeah, I, I power, was, my friend. That's right. You yeah, action at a distance with that too. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was getting a, a private lesson from my, my Shifu, and, uh, you know, we were working on the, the butterfly form, so this was about, like, seven years back now, and, um, uh, you know, of course, because the butterfly form, the whole point of the butterfly form is to be able to uh, to do fudging while you're moving around, and um, so I was, you know, puffing and puffing and doing, breathing, you know, doing the out-breath with the fudging, and... Um, uh, blew the the biggest snot rocket ever all over the the pool the pool deck out where where we were working nice. and then um, so you know we take a little break real quick to you know clean up the mess and uh, you know so then I go back to to practicing and you know Sifu comes up and he gives me like a little correction well the best part of the whole thing was that I was running my video camera. Uh, and so the whole thing got caught on camera. So then afterwards, <laughs> I, you know, I'm watching this part. And, you know, after this whole thing happens, Sifu comes up, he touches my hands to give me a little correction. And I catch him, like, sneak a little peek at his hands and make sure that he, <laughs> <laughs> he didn't get anything on him. But, uh, <laughs> now, see, that's so, yeah. exactly oh. the kind of thing we're talking about. The only thing that could have made that any better is if you'd come back later and slipped in your own snot. But Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm, 
I made sure to clean it up pretty good because we were uh, we were at somebody else's house to boot, so I blew a big nasty oh, rock yeah. all over their their nice pool deck. But yeah, that's about. I think that's probably about the most uh, embarrassing story that I have from my my career. Oh, hey, that'll do. That was a good one. <laughs> yes, indeed. All right, well, sweet. Uh, before we do let you go, uh, tell us uh, what events you've got coming up uh, and where we can, and anyone else who's interested can contact you and find out more. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Um, if uh, Well, of course, you know, I post on Rumso Fist. Uh, people can find me on uh, mm-hmm. on Twitter. Uh, and uh, it's Luoyu uh, Gongfu. So it's L-U-O-G-O-N-G-Y-E-F-U. Uh, and, uh, or, uh, let's see where else. Of course, you got to check out the Ely Chen website. That's elychen.com. Um, I L I Q C H U A N.com. And, uh, yes, I mean, we're on, uh, we're on Facebook, we're on YouTube. I mean, all people need to do pretty much is go in and, and do a search for Ely Chen and they're going to find, you know, one of those avenues. And of course, uh, you know, if you want to post, um, you know, my email address or anything in the show notes for people who want to get in touch for more information, that'd be fine. Okay, yeah. And Yeah, and then uh, I think, like I said, our next biggest things are, uh, you know, I'm I'm going to be in Oakland uh, next week teaching over there. Then we have our workshop here in Arizona with, uh, with Sifu coming up in May. Um, and so that's, um, you know, there might not be a, a, you know, a school directly nearby, but if people are, you know, around the country, and they're more interested in checking out more about Ili Chen, there's probably going to be some kind of event that's coming up reasonably close to them you know, at some point throughout the year. So all those are usually listed on the events thing on, uh, on ilichen.com. And, uh, yeah. Okay. Well, great. You know, I'm going to keep up with that myself because I'd, uh, I'd love to see what you guys are doing in person sometime. Indeed. Yeah, so you're you need to have something in Atlanta at some point, don't you? Well, you know, actually, um, I think we did like one or two years ago. We have uh, one guy that is down there in Georgia. Uh, I can't think of his name off the top of my head. He's uh, it's been a couple years since I've seen him. But yeah, we're, you know, hopefully this uh, over this next five years, um, you know, we're looking to try and get the word out to as many people as possible before, uh, you know, Sifu's not getting any younger. He's uh, he's almost sixty now, so. Um, you know, in the, in the next few years that he has, uh, you know, before he, I don't want to say that he's going to retire, but, um, washes his hand in the golden bowl. <laughs> yeah. Like a little bit. So he wants to try and get out to as many new places as possible. So, yeah, you just keep your eye out and probably be coming to your area pretty soon. Awesome. And, uh, you know, one day we hope to get out to Arizona too, because our producer hates the, uh, daylight savings time with such a passion that I think he could live there forever. Oh yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's nice to not have to change your, you know, lose that hour of sleep when it's time to change your clock. Yeah, I still haven't made that back. <laughs> well, anyway, thanks so much for coming on here and enlightening us about uh, Eli Chuan and uh, and getting to know us a little bit. And uh, we hope to speak to you again soon. Definitely. Oh yeah, thanks for having me on, man. I always uh, appreciate the chance to to talk about Eli Chuan. So that's you know something that I'm really excited about, of course, and. So it's always a pleasure to be able to uh, share it with somebody new. Yeah, no, no, the pleasure was ours. (laughs) Great to meet you, brother.
coming to you live from the High Up Podcast Zeppelin, high above the skies of Atlanta, Georgia, is news, news, news from the crazy, wacky, mixed-up world of martial arts. Sending it over to the news desk with you, Craig the Ferret. Thanks, Dave. This is Craig with the news. <laughs> All right. Some of you guys may have already seen this, may already know about it, depending upon what online spots you frequent. Anybody out there heard of Shaolin Do? Yes, I have, actually. Who? Uh-huh. You know, um, sorry if you're a Shaolin Do person or an ex-Shaolin Do person. You already know of the political scandals, the... Uh, Hey, Craig, let hey. me stop you right there. Judy Chop! Oh, dear. He just Judy Chopped me in the neck. Oh, hell. <laughs> Wait, I'm going to... Everybody be quiet. I'm going to play that again. All right. <laughs> oh, snaps. That was a lovely That's little piece. That's good stuff. <laughs> My Judy Chop for the day, Sambo. It's a Russian-derived martial art, but it's also an Irish or and or... Australian slang for the word sandwich. Huh. Well, I didn't know that. Nice. I know you didn't, and there you have it, folks. Back to the news. Okay, go for it. All right. So uh, a lot of you have heard about Shaolin Do. Uh, Some people call it Shaolin Don't. Oh, I didn't say it. Yes, I did. Okay. Anyway. um, We know some nice guys that come from there. Yes, we do. A lot of personal friends, students, everything else. Um. Anyway, it's come to a boiling head. Uh-oh. Go to Bullshito. Oh, no. Oh, yes. <laughs> Front page today. There's a lot of, unfortunately, uh, incriminating, if you will, uh, evidence and whatnot uh, as far as court-reported documents, court transcriptions and whatnot that have been released or leaked and whatnot. Involving Sente, uh, who's kind of the big grandmaster werewolf guy. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I didn't say that bit, but anyway. <laughs> you've actually said everything you've said so far, so <laughs> Are you serious? just bear that in mind. <laughs> all right, all right. Point being, if you're interested to know if you're in Shaolin Do, if you're looking at Shaolin Do, awesome. Um, don't give it up just simply because of what you read online. Uh, stick to what you love, stick to what you do. But if you're interested to know about uh, some of the uh, conspiracy theories and all this other weird stuff that's going on that you hear, you know, Shalando is this and that, go to Bullshito within the next couple of weeks. Uh, it's a full featured story about uh, some of the legal proceedings dealing with that. I'm, I'm kind of interested to know right now, are there some highlights you can kind of throw at me? <clears throat> Ooh, yeah. What do these legal proceedings center around? I don't. It's not a molestation thing or anything. No, 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 no. They 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 center around the content, uh, the naming, all that. The majority of it it has to do with uh, copyright infringement. The names of uh, Shaolin Do or Sente Karate, uh, which was kind of the original name mm-hmm. of all this. Um, and you know, as for a lot of people know, uh, a lot of the claims uh, that Sente and the Shaolin Do had people make are a little bit uh inflated uh, yeah that's to put it lightly and so um it, it just got legal um and so you're gonna find what you you hear the story about the swords s-o-a-r-d-s it's a family last name and teachers around that and you you get to see the details about what happened with that who came out the winner and loser and why that 
you know, start it up. You get to learn about Shaolin Do, the name, um, and start to understand it a little bit, you know, about some of the questions people ask. Why do you wear karate geese? A lot of schools don't anymore. Uh, why do you go barefoot? You know, it's supposed to be a Chinese art, but you're dressing up Japanese, and they have this whole history and whatever about it. But you start to see through the legal court proceedings, the you know, from the horse's mouth, what they were thinking about when they were making these changes. It's really eye-opening, uh, to say the least. Okay. Have so reading to do. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Now, another story, this is something interesting, ties in uh, one of our previous episodes. Uh, listeners, if you were listening and you heard about uh, one of the reasons why, like, for example, Alan Pittman said, don't punch to the head. Um, you know, and, and Chinese martial arts very freak, infrequently uh, strike to the head and, and the reasons for it, not just hurting yourself, but with continued practice, you end up hurting your, you know, your opponent's head. And we talked about uh, some of the football players and MMA guys, and they were getting damaged. Well, believe it or not, there's an MMA helmet out there to, you know, kind of help with uh, concussions and stuff like that over repeated beatings. And... <laughs> Does it say tap out anywhere on it with a lightning bolt? I don't know, but three I, I wolves howling so. at a moon. If it doesn't, it totally should. <laughs> True. <laughs> well, if MMA was not making enough money in the first place, they're about to make a, a huge amount in the coming months and years. Reason for it is uh, I can't think of the team name, but uh, the basketball team up in, in Louisville, uh, they're now using MMA protective headgear. Uh, in Kentucky? Yes. The college team? Yes. And people don't laugh them off the court for having <laughs> yeah. little helmets on? <laughs> it's, it's kind of silly looking, but it's also kind is, of cool looking. Is this it's, a JV team? or? Oh, it's your team. Pretty Sorry. You know, I'm a, I'm a grognard, so I'm being resistant against actual safety <laughs> features that might save someone's brain or you, life. You laugh, man, but I got well, to tell you, dude, I caught a basketball to the head when I was a kid, Oof. and it laid my ass out. Yeah. I mean, I'm talking like... I was. I, you said I, as a kid, wasn't this last night when we were going one on one? That was a different. Craig was thing. about to dunk on. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it laid my ass out. Like I was, I was no good for like two whole days afterwards, dude. Like, well, you know, I, I saw when I was playing boys' club basketball as an eleven-year-old or whatever, a coach, a basketball rolled from the other. We were using the half courts because we were eleven-year-olds, you know. Mm-hmm. So they had two games going at once, and a basketball was allowed to roll all the way through our game, and it evidently made our coach mad. So he got up off the bench and picked the basketball up and hurled it Boom. all the way to the other side of the gym mm-hmm. where it plummeted down like a bomb and hit this other kid right on the head <laughs> and knocked him flat out. Yeah, yeah, yep. that's what I'm saying. So, I mean, you know what? I, I can't fault them for that, honestly. Hey, it's a, it's a little fun toy, but it's also kind of like hey, you know, a, life is a dangerous. thing I, you're throwing at somebody. all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So, yeah, no, it, it, that's cool. It's, um, you know... They're testing them out. They kind of look like a cross between a skateboarder's helmet and a motocross helmet. Um, they look somewhat cool. They're painted black, you know. Yeah. Um, but that's cool to hear that, that. And now they can headbutt while they play basketball. With yeah, impunity. see, an, an, another advantage appears. Yeah. Exactly. That is very good. I like that. 
Uh, to me, I see it as a money move. Actually, it's, it's not as con- basketball is not as contact as it should. be. I know anyway. that's the weird part about it. I was thinking I was going to hear about these helmets showing up in some other contact sport, not just the well, oh, ba- you elbowed me. Yeah, baseball is the one that really needs more contact. I think they'll let them hang on to their bat as they run the bases. <laughs> <laughs> baseball <laughs> clear the clear the path. If they How have good are to. you, sword fighter? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I, I would say golf, but golf's not really a sport. No, it's a game. It's a game. Yeah. yeah. And and baseball at this point is definitely the golf of sports. Oh okay. boy, <laughs> are we recording this outside the United States of America? <laughs> <laughs> just, just out of yeah, we we've just defiled it. All, All right, right, let's go. In other news, and this is something you'll be hearing again probably in the next couple of months. I don't know whenever they decide to release it. The raid redemption. Oh, I'm so looking forward to this. I know he is. My seat is wet thinking about this movie. (laughs) (laughs) I really, I really, really am looking. I've heard a lot of great reviews, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm so about this movie. I saw Morantu, which was good, but nothing, you know, nothing mind blowing. But this sounds like it's about to tear the lid off action cinema for the the teenies here or whatever we're in. And definitely for Southeast Asia. And, and what he's referring to, Maranto, uh Warrior, um, this movie came out a few years back, and it's one of the very fist, first blockbusters, at least internationally, not uh, you know here in the U.S., but for Indonesia. And Indonesia ha- has a lot of pinchak silat. Um, and so that's what you're going to find here. The same director, obviously, or... You would guess he's an Indonesian guy. No, mm-hmm. Gareth Evans. Um, this guy's huge into slot. He loves it, and he's trying to get it out more in the world. Um, you know, Indonesian and traditional slot. So he, he shows that off in Marantau with his his actors and whatnot. And it's a fun, exciting movie. Um, got some cool training sequences and all that good stuff. But this is the the second installment, if you would. It, the two movies have nothing to do with each other. But it is jam packed of action of Indonesian Pinchak Salat. Um, from what I've read, the stories take place in a 15 uh, story apartment building where a, a drug overlord um, comes and kind of takes over the joint. But it's, just it's his slam-packed. place, basically. And <clears throat> this, uh, this SWAT team, more or less, is charged with going in and, and cleaning out this building, and they think they've got an easy end to get to the uh, prime target, and something goes wrong by about the third story. So it's fighting their way up, fighting their way out. This this thing is apparently just wall-to-wall, bone-crunching, adult gory, you know, yeah. gunplay, stunts, And they fights. have some plot extras, I've heard, but, but they the, don't really a, focus yeah. on... A whole lot of extra because the main point of this flick is really getting yeah, you're in there you gotta get out. out of there yeah um, it sounds to me like that video game kung fu fighter where you had to fight a, and, and win against the boss you go up the next level win against yeah, the boss or know. donkey kong yeah yeah but this is the kung fu donkey kong or the, <laughs> yeah, the martial kong. arts <laughs> donkey, you know we're so bad everything's kung fu to us <laughs> it's That's all right. kung fu it's universal indeed one of the interesting things about um this particular uh movie of his Happens to be Lincoln Park. Ah, yeah, they got you know that Lincoln guy Park? from Lincoln Park, Mike Shinoda. Yeah, yeah he's uh, actually doing the score in this, so that 
that would be pretty nice. Uh, the previews for this are up on the internet now. It, they're ah. just called the Raid. They've changed it for American release to the Raid Redemption. Right. And there may be an official trailer up for that now too. But there have been trailers up for the last year. This played at Toronto International Film Festival Indeed. and a bunch of other places, and people came out of that just you know loving it, super jazzed. <laughs> so I hope they don't cut it. They don't tinker with it. They just put it out. You know, subtitle it, change the music a little if you have to, or whatever for American audiences. But Put that movie on screen for us, please. Especially for Dave, so he can review it for us later. Now. Yeah, yeah, I want it now. I want to go see it after the show. Uh, no doubt. It really does kind of sound exciting. Yep. Well, all right. We, I got two more stories for you. One, it's kind of interesting. We got the Olympics coming up. Um, and with the Olympics, you got torchbearers, as you know. You know, you run and carry that torch. Da, 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 da. You know, what's mm-hmm. that movie? They did that on the beach. Chariots of Fire. There you go. Da, 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 da. So you kind of got this thing going on in general we're having 23 torchbearers in this in this coming olympics and one of them is a martial artist so give it up for shane kennedy 32 year old um out in united kingdom or england if you would he's going to be running it through coventry um you know i'm not from the uk i don't know where the hell that is but uh he's a kung fu (laughs) instructor out there um he he does some sub-style of Wudong, I believe, and, and he teaches out there. But he's going to be running it out uh, for us martial artists. And last but not least, I got a flying kicker for the uh, last news story. And when I say flying kicker, I mean that literally. Oh, boy. Indeed, indeed. The Empire Fight League 4. Okay, it's an MMA event. Uh, you had Dan La Riviere. It, it's an MMA event that I'm assuming takes place on the Death Star, right? Like, well, <laughs> it, except for when they fall off because that thing spins. You know, it's circular. It sucks. But Dan La Riviere was fighting Jeremy uh, Capone. I hope I pronounced that right. My fast draw has never been successfully photographed. <laughs> Dear God, what did I walk into? <laughs> I'm sorry, that wasn't supposed to play out loud. <laughs> All right. We're a little sloppy this time, folks. It took a while to get the program off the ground, so we're yeah. we're about two hours further than we normally are. We had some us. serious technical difficulties earlier, and we didn't even think we were going to get this far tonight. Yeah. Okay, so lucky. back to your story, Craig. All right. So anyway, we're, film- uh, we're recording this on Sunday night. This past Saturday night held this uh, Empire Fight League 4 MMA event. And unfortunately, Don, Dan LaRiviere um, thought he was going to end the second round pretty decent with a scissors kick. Uh, and for those of you who don't know, it is one of those flying kicks where you kind of run, jump, fly, wrap your leg around, throw him to the ground. It's all cool in the movies. However, in this situation, he kind of missed his opponent, dropped to the ground, and knocked himself out. Oh, so, I may have already seen this on the YouTube. <laughs> I think you may have. I'll have to find it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued. It happened just last night, and it's all <laughs> over the place. It's blowing up. So I'm sure a lot of you have already seen it. It will be. Uh, I'll put it up in the show notes as well for you guys. Um, I've seen the video clip. It does look rather hilarious. Dan or Jeremy, if you're listening, sorry, bro. You know it's funny. Hey, you know it can, ha- <laughs> it can happen to anybody. I I remember being a ten year old kid back in 1978 and staying a night with a friend, and uh, his house was right across the street. So uh, his alcoholic dad and one of his alcoholic buddies 
were evidently got in a row about something. They came out in the yard and we could see them under the porch light out in their dew slick grass. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and they were exchanging words back and forth. And suddenly, uh, the other guy, not, not my friend's dad hauled off and threw a high roundhouse head kick, you know? He was, Hi-ya. Yeah. He was probably going to the local karate school, you know? And he was going to knock his head off, but unfortunately the grass was slick and he wasn't that flexible and he was drunk. <laughs> <laughs> so he fell and hit his head on the step. Ouch. <laughs> Ouch. And the ambulance pulled up about 10 minutes later and yeah. They still call ambulance too. Uh, hey, hey, Dave. For all I know, he died. You, you know what else has uh, high flying uh, 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 kicks? What's Judy that? Chop. Judy Chop! Oh my God! First rate, grade A number one nut. <laughs> He's a first rate, grade oh, A number sorry. one nut. Damn, cut that second one out. One more uh, time. Just... <laughs> okay. Uh. Come on, computer. Commotio cordis. That's uh, Latin. Means agitation of the heart. It's a disruption of heart rhythm that occurs as a result of a blow to the area directly over the heart, the pericardial region, at a time. During the cycle of a heartbeat. So you may have heard of this in relationship <laughs> to baseball and several other sports, but I just want to quickly line you out on what this is so you can look out for it in your martial arts classes and, and try to avoid that. It's basically the death touch, but there's no way to predict when you're going to do it. So just avoid really thumping people in the chest just above the hearts, especially if they're teenagers. It's a form of ventricular fibula- fibrillation, not mechanical damage to the heart muscle or surrounding organs. And it's not the result of heart disease. The fatality rate is about, what do you think it is? Uh, 65%. God damn. It can sometimes, but not always, be reversed by defibrillation. Uh, It occurs mostly in boys and young men, average age 15, usually during some sort of sport. Uh, But, uh, you know, they mention baseball first because that hard ball can do that easily. But martial arts classes, kung fu and karate, right up in there. That's a gong, by the way. Are are we seriously talking about the five-point palm exploding heart technique? Well, Uh, not so much. But if you wonder if you can stop somebody's heart with a punch, yes, you can. Uh, And it can even happen despite wearing chest protectors and other protective equipment. That's one thing we we like to to do as soon as you take an in breath and you're about to go at, take that exhale yeah hit them just yeah. above the heart that's fun time yeah, yeah i mean it's it would be extremely difficult to time this specifically to achieve yeah. this effect but it can happen you know chance uh, makes a lot of things happen so <laughs> be careful uh, uh and it's especially likely to occur to adolescents supposedly because their body structure is just not as developed yet to protect against that uh, it was confirmed experimentally in the 1930s with research in anesthetized rabbits, cats, and dogs. Now, it's very rare, but, uh, you know, it's often considered when uh, you have a sudden cardiac death in an athlete. So I won't go on and on, and you can check the wiki page, but there's your Judy chop for this time. Commotional Cortis. <laughs> Nicely done. All right. Moving along, where were we? That's a very good question. I think we just finished up with uh, my last news story. Um, and I think we're slowly moving in towards uh, the media mop up. Well, then that must mean Judy chop to you, brother. Oh, you got oh, your chop. What? You want I should factoid? Yes, factoid <laughs> for me if you're not too busy. Okay, so martial arts fact. There are there exists tons of bullshit on the internet. There exists tons of bullshit on the internet 
No. About the martial arts. No. This is coming from, um, it's an article you can check out over Wait, at- Wait, the same internet I use? The same, very same. The oh self my same. God, I didn't it's, know. It, I need to go to yours because mine ended a week ago. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, this is an article you can find over at fightingarts.com. It's titled, Lighter Side, uh, Interesting Historical Facts. Uh, Gary Gablehouse. I got an article. Is, is uh, the, the author here. Uh Number one, these are apparently all things that this that that he found on martial arts websites. So just interesting little okay, yeah, rattle num- a few off. Number one, <clears throat> Jesus taught the Okinawans what they referred to as tea, and is now referred to as karate. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> oh, number two, <clears throat> Buddha was such a good martial artist that he once subdued a charging elephant and threw it hundreds of yards, the beast carving a long channel out in the ground. These ancient chi techniques are still secretly taught by Buddhist monks at a martial training monastery in upstate New York. Oh, I thought it was on the moon. Oh, my God. No, no, no. It's in <laughs> Please don't New say York. that was Shirley okay. Chong. Okay, Shirley all right, number three. The higher levels of Thunderbolt Fist. Mm-hmm. Teaches you how to literally direct bolts of lightning out of the palm of the hand, allowing you to subdue anyone or anything. At the highest level, you become a thunderhead cloud, actually able to levitate and float overhead, directing bolts of lightning out of your hands. Is you not pimping my brother? I, I have a feeling this style involves a lot of shuffling around <laughs> on the carpet. <laughs> Last but not I know who you're talking about. <laughs> Last but not least, number four. Bruce Lee learned to project his chi from space aliens, sometimes <laughs> referred to as the Anukai, referenced oh in early God. Sumerian texts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The one it's inch, all making sense now. The one-inch <laughs> punch was only possible through aliens training Lee to properly channel his chi. Well, yeah. So there you go. Bullshit. How is this even? Loads and loads of bullshit about martial arts. Well, uh, excuse me. Where's the bullshit? I heard a lot of interesting fact, a lot of inter- enlightening information. I know. Where's the bullshit? That changed my life. Uh, <laughs> All right. Everybody, shh, listen. This looks badass as hell. Tiger men in there. That looks badass. <clears throat> well, that, folks, is my kingdom, something I stumbled across on the N to the F. Which I'm not even going to mention <laughs> until they start paying us. You know what I'm talking about, folks. Um, <clears throat> uh, yeah, this one is a goodie. Uh, it looks like it. 
I saw a lot of that Beijing opera, and I love that shit. It's it's uh well what uh no it's okay you can cuss on this program. Oh okay. <laughs> I had to double take over here. Your daughter's but... downstairs. It's all good. <laughs> um, so th- this thing is uh I watched the first. I didn't know what it was going into it. Really, I just saw oh uh, maybe there's some Jackie Chan production or something going on. But I'm like oh Peking Opera thing that that should be fun. Um. It's bookended by a bunch of badassery. There's some good Beijing opera in the middle, but it's bookended by a bunch of badassery. So right out of the gate, it got me because mm. uh, Yun Biu is uh, playing the uh, and uh, and Yun Rongguang, I think is his name. I'm not as familiar with him, but I've seen him in a million movies. So they got two authentic Olsters who were actually trained up in the old Beijing opera mm-hmm. to come and in. director. And well, the action choreographer is uh, Sammo Hung. Yeah. <clears throat> so, They're brothers. Yeah. So all these cats, you know, made a made a nice appearance. And unlike the thing that had Samo hung in it last time we talked, uh, this is not shot to video. It's shot to film. It's it's got luxury period piece trappings. It's set mostly in Shanghai. Oh, yeah. And uh, you know, so the outfits are super cool and they, you know, they got the the guys playing the young wushu guys are are both uh, Canto pop stars if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. So they're good looking. I recognize and, them. and yeah, and and uh, good, good looking is what I expect out of my pop stars. Yeah, no, well that's they're synonymous these days. <laughs> so I really recommend you get I'm out there and, and and check out my kingdom because it, it's got uh, it's got good plotting. There's you know a bunch of period era plotting going on in there, and there's actually kind of a twist or two. You might not not see coming. I think one of the most interesting things about this is um, a lot of people, when they hear about Sammo Hung or, or a couple of the other brothers who came out of the, the opera training, it's like, well, how the hell did they go from there into being real foo people, you know? Um, and I, that's exciting as hell. I don't think there's been another movie that directly says, here's what opera, Chinese opera, you know, Beijing or otherwise why it gives you some foo ability. Yeah. You know? <clears throat> and the ritualized opera conflicts that they have, a lot of the centers around a golden plaque saying, mm-hmm. you know, number one, uh, opera house gets, uh, passed around a little bit. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and uh, of course, everything in the world revolves around that golden plaque. Oh dude, yeah. I was about to say that is such a, that is such a, a martial arts movie. Yeah. Too. But at no point does someone jump up and kick it off its hanger and break it in midair. <laughs> so at least it's Sick men of Asia. This is actually a more subtle film than that. There's it, it, uh, the, the last time you see that plaque, it's actually kind of, kind of touching. I liked it. it. It looked like Daogun, like <clears throat> big martial school. That, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. Cool. And, uh, and, but the, but the duels they have as opera performers on stage, nice. probably the best choreography in the whole thing. Really? Yeah. Especially Yumbu. I, th- those two old guys at the beginning that are fighting and something bad happens and, you know, the guy who shouldn't have lost loses and right. has to break his spear and retire and, uh, oh, it's classic. I want to see it because, you know, I love Beijing opera. I'm one of those weird ones because it has that weird, crazy sound that will, drive you batty yeah. if you don't love it you love it or hate it but and, and i've seen you know i used to live in southeast asian and so we'd see wayang or, or street opera all the time and they'd often you know uh do these historical battles on stage and whatever but they always sucked you know being a martial artist i was like i'd really like for you to do that better so i'm excited to see that i really am yeah well you know how to do it now i think i do tell them dave sent you I will. All right, coming up next in the Media Mop-Up. 
você sabia que todo capoeirista tem direito de escolher seu nome novo? Porque esse nome é pra vida toda. Até pra depois da vida. Já escolheu seu nome? Já. Qual é? Besouro. Bahia. Década de 20. No interior, os negros continuavam sendo tratados como escravos. Quero ver quem é o bom nessa brincadeira de vocês aqui. É na hora de comer banana que macaco baixa a guarda. O senhor quer que eu passe a noite aqui hoje? Fecha a porta. Um capoeirista foi o escolhido para ser o líder e lutar pelo seu povo. Você quer que eu defenda a cidade do coronel, é isso? Esqueça de ignorar. Você sabe que ela é minha. Um herói que nasceu do misticismo. Now here's where the wire work comes in. Watch this guy. Forças da natureza. Quem é você? Oi, talk about misticismo, my mistress. Vão, Besouro, acorda. Um homem pronto para a guerra, que se tornou uma lenda. Ô, Besouro, o povo diz que você avô agora, né? Avô aí pra me ver. Besouro. So hopefully that inspires you to go out and watch that actual trailer because, <laughs> unfortunately, there's one big reason why the trailer is a lot better than the movie. Oh, I'm already sad to hear that. Now, let me first say what the movie is about. It's it's a it's a story about capoeira in Brazil and uh, at the very beginning of the 20th century. Yeah, where it was illegal and there was all sorts of nastiness going down there, and it portrays all those elements really well. Yeah, and the capoeira in this movie is good, although there's less actual fight scenage than you would expect. There's there's well, a lot of fantasy going elements. for the uh, Asian Isle, the the fantasy <clears throat> shit, not the Angola. Well, yeah, that, that's that's true too. But uh, you know, where they do use it, it's it's good and and uh, suitably you know, martial artsy for for all you martial arts movie fans. Which hopefully that's who I'm talking to. But the problem is that trailer you just heard. Everybody was speaking their native language. Portuguese. Yeah, the movie on streaming. English dub is dubbed in English uh, in a uh, ripplingly bad way. That's horrible. So hi, I will really kick you on your face. Yeah. Oh, it's so bad. It's You'll so never see bad. it coming because it will come from behind your head. And no, that's funny and erudite compared to the way they've dubbed this film. <laughs> oh, and you can man. tell the movie's made to a much higher standard. So this right. is a movie that really got raped by the dubbing. I'm gonna have to seek it out. In so for once, form. I can't really recommend you watch this movie on the old nf streaming <laughs> nudge nudge wink wink it's our second favorite streaming thing yeah not as good as a wink to a blind bat <laughs> oh dear but uh I, i would suggest you watch it especially if you're interested in capoeira or just turn down the volume whatever. I, I dig, yeah i dig just, it i dig it I, i love to watch people 
Or just keep yeah. searching. I mean, even though we push the NF, there might be no, other sources. No, it's out there and other yeah. – yeah. And so the, the, the one on streaming is – is not the ideal one to watch because uh, it's actually it's again this is shot to film there's like 15 different production companies that chipped in to make this movie and the money shows in it it's well done it's just that overdubbing is so bad and it makes all the any acting good movie. terrible you know that's like it, even with the chinese kung fu flicks back in the day you go and watch them in their original Chinese, and you realize the movie's about something completely different. Yeah, and you, you see know? it widescreen instead of just with the corners chopped off right. the film, so All you right. don't see people's hands fighting over a table when they're out of the frame. <laughs> I do have a special place in my heart for badly dubbed. Like, no, see, that's much better than what was done to this film. You know, in the old days, they would dub these Hong Kong movies. There was a couple of people. They would sit in a room and dub these all day for the English right, market because right. it was small. It was and, the same and guys. And so they would every use their movie. they would use their old Western voices, and uh, you know they they and would the use English these voices accents. they knew yeah, had to yeah, do in English, English accent. Yeah, exactly. And they didn't care. They knew it was just a vehicle, to get, but they would have fun with it, kind of. Yeah, you know? yeah. And I, 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 I have more I, hairs on my leg than you have chances of kicking mm-hmm. me in the. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and there's something to be said for that, but but I don't think people don't people seem not to understand that. A, a really poor dub job can just totally fucking destroy a, what a, would otherwise be a just a a, a fantastic movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll point to no uh, look out of five stars. The dubbing on this took it from probably a four down to like a one or a two, a one and a half or a two. It's like right. it's so hard to watch with this crap layered on top. Yeah, like, like I really enjoyed, for example, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. It right. was it was it was a. From a you know from an emotional content point of view, no, that's a well done movie. Very, yeah. it was very yeah. well done. It was very good. Everybody I talked to, it was like that movie sucked. You know, watch and the it, dub and version. I, I, I had to ask. I was like, did you watch it as it was intended to be watched, or did you watch it in English? And the response was, I'm not going to read a fucking movie. You know, you and know. So here's my like, point: well, no when people say that to me, if you can't read yet, you shouldn't be allowed to watch movies. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> but the, it was, I, I'm glad you showed that movie though, because it was funny. We were talking about this new segment that you guys may have noticed recently, uh, you know, and, and looking at different factoids and and whatnot. And I was looking a lot at capoeira because I I used to train capoeira. I never got whole, you know, way up in. Dude, I'm totally it. jealous. But uh, yeah, so I was doing some research on it to help find these factoids, and I learned a lot about it about this specific period in in history that this movie goes to show and it's it's really interesting because uh like i said capoeira was banned in brazil for for a good number of years uh until a specific individual no, brought it and out. you know what this movie is really good <clears throat> if yeah. this is the only way you can see it then go ahead and watch it this way but just be prepared to use your imagination and ignore mm-hmm. what's coming out of their mouths yeah yeah because visually and and story-wise you know it's it doesn't go exactly where you think it's gonna go but it's definitely well worth watching, and it, it gets to the heart of that period, I think. Ah, yeah, and it's beautiful because, the, you know, whatever style you're from, um, you're going to look at, at Capoeira if you haven't seen a lot of details of it, you know, and, and really see some of the stuff that you do found within their art done in with a different flavor, and it's really kind of cool. Yeah, there's definitely something to be, you could definitely find something to, to oh, appreciate yeah. about Capoeira, even if. Even if stylistically it's not your bag, it's just oh yeah, it's beautiful to watch. Yeah, absolutely, and Eddie Gordo rules. So. <laughs> Indeed. 
All right. <laughs> moving on. Well, yeah, moving on. I had one other little movie I was going to mention. It's called, uh, oh, hell. <laughs> Slap Tickle, was that it? <laughs> Slap and Tickle, that's my favorite. Yeah. Was uh, it um, Assassination Games? Assassination Games, yeah. But you know what? I'm not going to play the trailer or even talk about that one much. The only reason I'm going to bring <laughs> it up is this is something that this pops up on the streaming service I use. And uh, it's like, oh, Van Damme is back in form. So Ooh. I'm like, I'm going to check and see what Van Damme's doing now. I've, I wasn't the worst. You know, Van Damme himself occasionally has these moments where I'm like, he's almost now that he's old, he gets that sort of Takeshi Katano You know, he's vibe. our most loyal listener and you're just turning him off. I know, no, <laughs> what I'm saying is I like Van Damme and I would like to see like JCVD and some of these yeah, other movies I that uh, I haven't seen of his that wow. have supposedly stepped it up, but this one wasn't one of them. It's the tritest old CIA versus uh, professional killer versus the underworld. Sounds like a Seagal ripoff. Uh, yeah, kind of. He's a, he's a professional hitman who has trouble getting his turtle to love him. And, uh, <laughs> and he meets a super hot girl and doesn't know what to say or do with her, but she gets the turtle to love her. And then she gets killed because, you know, he's a hard ass. And, and, uh, minus the turtle. It and the, the other guy, original. the other main figure, he's, you know, he was a government guy and, oh, oh God, you know, these, these plots just wear on me. And his girlfriend was beaten into a coma by a mobster family, but now the mobster's back out. But that was to draw him out of hiding so that, oh. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's not interesting. It sounds like a lot of plotting, but it's just not that well done. Yeah, but the plots sound like every movie we've heard yeah. about. So but you can play a drinking game with it. Every time somebody that looks like John claude Van Damme's son comes on screen, drink. Son? Yeah, his son's actually in it. <laughs> I didn't know we even had any children. Dear God, what is the world coming hey, to? Hey, you know, if that was my kid, I'd keep it a secret, too. No. Oh. <laughs> actually, he looks a lot like uh, his dad wow. at, at a very young age, you know, dark hair and stuff. But his, his part in the film is essentially pointless. They could have done without his character. Is he a martial artist, this kid? He's got to be. Uh, he doesn't do any really? real fighting in it. No. Not in the movie. Do you know no. if he is just like does, John claude Van Damme doesn't do much fighting in this thing. It's all, they're all just shooting each other and, and not to any entertaining effect. I've just been really. outside of the movie. Do you think his son is a martial artist? I don't know. All right. What does it take to be one? Uh, a lot of this, evidently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he is or isn't. He could be warming up, but it seems like if he was putting him in there, he would have showcased that if he's trying to get his son Indeed. a career. Yeah. True. He may just be an actor. Uh, yeah. So we'll see. You know, if this was the actor podcast, we might be interested in that. But it's not. It's, <laughs> it's Hi-ya, not. the martial arts podcast. So, so we're going to go ahead and move this on to uh, the closing segment of the program. And the first thing I would like to get for you people, just to settle your minds after this harrowing uh, podcast we've had to do today, is our martial arts quote of the week. Jesus, dude, give me some fucking warning. You should get a computer or something. I've got one uh, somewhere. And your quote of the week, or since we don't really come weekly, a quote of your quote for this evening. Yeah, for this evening. Your martial arts quote for this evening. One day of training is one day of skill earned. But one day of not training wastes 10 days of training. Oh, yeah. And that's, that's right. Grow on. Yeah. 
And uh, also, we introduced a new segment tonight. It was all kind of clustered up because uh, we had other issues to think about. We were very clustered. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, the Judy Chopper is going to drop some factoids on you, and everybody loves. Everybody loves. Here, Grant. Judy, Judy, Judy. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And the cool thing is, it's not you guys just having fun. It's also us because we don't know when it's going to happen. It's very random for us in studio. We're just going randomly. Judy, chop to you. Yeah. So uh, enjoy that when we get caught with our pants down, so to speak. Yeah. No, I'm going to learn the X block. You ain't going to hit me with that. <laughs> uh, and that's really about all we have for the show. Now, I want to back up and uh, and thank Ash Higgs for coming on and enlightening yes, us indeed. about Eli Chuan and uh, teaching me how to pronounce it and all that good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great was a, guy. I, it, it, yeah. I didn't know anything about it. I'm happy to have him on. Yeah, no, the, the, that was really fun. And uh Let's see. Um, we got to remind our listeners to rate, review, mailbag at highoutpodcast.com. Facebook, we got the Facebooks going on. Yes, we do. I mean, come on, people. Where are you? Why aren't you saying more? Say more. with 2 aspodcastcom Come hit us up. Be an audience. Interact. Yeah, it's only going to go downhill from here if we don't hear from you. <laughs> <laughs> Subscribe via iTunes or... Uh, any number of other uh, podcatchers, uh, podcatchers, pod you know. Yep. And uh, yeah, we need feedback. We need you to tell us what we're doing wrong, or and what we're doing right, for that matter. But it's usually the other. Yeah. <laughs> and we've got a really interesting guest coming up next week. I won't, don't spoil it. I won't. I won't spoil it for you. But let's just say he's been described as salty, iconoclastic. Yes. Dangerous to be caught in a bus with. No, actually, I made that last part up. Uh, <laughs> That's just you, Dave. <clears throat> yeah, so that should be a lot of fun. And, uh, whoo, we made it to the end. Congrats to us. Yeah. We started off not thinking we'd even be able to record this thing at all today. So kudos to Magnificent Jay for, you know. Yes, indeed. For rubbing that computer just right and oh. putting those cords in the little sockets they had to be in and then and, saying and the magic word. Putting it and, in and pulling it out. Yeah. And you know, it, and it occurs it to me, Wait we, minute, we had to leave you alone in the room with that machine for about 15 minutes yes, for this did. to happen. You don't even want this to know what I had to do. Another movie. You don't even want to know what I had to do to make this happen. I don't, but uh, you know. Go, get your love any way you can, brother. Let me just say, I will go home and bathe the shame yeah. <laughs> Look, your soul wasn't worth that much anyway. Oh. <laughs> nice. All right, folks, thanks for coming in and uh, joining us. We're headed back to the Champagne Lounge uh, and uh, see ya. See ya. See ya. Come on. See ya. I got you.